Minister Charlie McConnell, you're just back from a trade mission to South Korea, um, looking to boost Irish beef sales there. Did you get any further than Michael Creed did when you asked him in 2017 how things were going with beef exports to South Korea? Yeah, we, we made good progress, uh, Colin, made a series of meetings and particularly with uh, and the political system there um, to uh, seek to open up the market. Uh, we have been working in this for a period of time now, uh, but uh, the particular challenge has been making our way through the uh, South Korean um, Parliamentary Assembly, which is an important step in the process. And I met with the chairperson of the Agriculture Committee there and he's committed to completing that part of the process by the end of this year, which is really, really good progress there. It's a, it's a really a, a important potential market uh, for Irish beef. Um, and they have a requirement for meat. The, the country of South Korea is about the same size as Ireland, um, but 70% actually of the country is mountain. Um, and they have 10 times their population. Their population is 51 million. At the moment, they import their beef from the US and, the, and Australia. They are going to need to continue to import food into the future. And I see it as a really important opportunity to ensure that the work of sustainably producing beef in this country, um, that we can actually provide right. a good um, economic what, what, outlet what's for the, our farmers. What's the figure on that? What's, what's the value of the uh, the South Korean market in Ireland's estimation? Well, it's uh, well the, the 51 million um, 51 million people column, and um, they actually are significant meat consumers, about um, one of one of the higher higher in the world. Um, so the value of the overall market there, I don't, I'm not sure of at the moment. But what I see is the opportunity for Ireland to significantly become a, a supplier to South Korea. Um, they are a country which is a very one of, in the top 15 in the world in relation to their GDP right, but, per but capita and their capacity to actually uh, pay for good quality beef. So. So it is, if we can secure, which I'm confident we will, the opportunity to export there, going to provide an outlet to ensure that in terms right, of farming, no, no kind of, we, we can improve them. No hard figure as, as to what the value of that market is. Oh, I mean, the, the market is very significant. Um, into, well, Sarah, into, into the billions, right, absolutely. Okay. Um, but I mean, we're obviously at zero there at the moment. So uh, uh, most of their imports are from the United States and from Australia. So I would see real, real potential for us to grow significantly there and provide beef uh, uh, to the to, to South Koreans if we can okay. get market access. All right, well, that's that side of it, but there would be others who would question why there's any push to boost beef production when we have climate ob obligations uh, to meet as well, specifically uh, greenhouse gases and uh, the reduction of methane. I'm just going to have briefly speak to Hannah Daly, who's Professor in Sustainable Energy at University College Cork. Good afternoon to you, Hannah Daly. Good afternoon, Colm. Can, can you start by reminding us briefly about emissions from beef? I, I suppose to put it bluntly, beef is very damaging to the climate and despite the marketing that does include grass-fed Irish beef, which is also very high carbon and a lot of scientific studies show that this business as usual approach to the food system will make us blow past safe climate thresholds, even if fossil fuels were cut to zero tomorrow. And cutting back on meat and livestock products in the diets of people who can afford to make that choice in wealthy countries like Ireland and so on, it's a really impactful contribution to climate action. So Ireland is a major beef and dairy exporter and as a country that's committed to having greenhouse gas emissions this decade, bringing our, and our economy in line with planetary limits. What are our commitments uh, in the agriculture crisis. section on that, a sector on that? So agriculture is our largest emitting sector and as, as a whole we've commit, committed to having emissions this decade um, and agriculture is, uh, is, is, is committed to cutting emissions by 25% and Minister McConnell is responsible under the Climate Act for bringing that about and, and contributing to getting Ireland to 
zero carbon by 2050 at the latest. And that business as usual approach of expanding markets and promoting beef in the diets in Asia through marketing, through Bordbia with public funds really undermines that aim. And instead, we should be embracing low carbon diets at home and leading by example instead of promoting that, that high carbon consumption abroad. All right. What do you make of the argument that if Ireland doesn't provide the beef to markets like South Korea, uh, grass-fed beef such as it is, more intensive farming producers will provide beef that's less environmentally sustainable. I, I'm glad you asked that because that's often used as an argument. But like that, that argument, if we didn't do it, somebody else will. Is that really an ethically sound stance? And would we use that argument about any other activity that we acknowledge is harmful? In any case, that that argument really falls apart when we're seeing public funds being used by Bordbia and these the diplomatic efforts by politicians to create demand by marketing Irish beef. And often it's marketed as being sustainable, which which I don't think has any credibility. Right. So it's, instead, we should be really, it, it would be like promoting big cars, fossil fuels or other sort of high carbon lifestyle aspects uh, that, that we have in Ireland, like flying. OK, but what, what, what do you say to people who, who depend on this for their livelihood? Absolutely. And it's really important that we have a just transition for farmers as we have for peat workers. And what I think we're missing is a shared vision of what our landscapes, what our food system and what a rural economy looks like. And what does it take to become biodiversity rich, climate neutral with a thriving rural economy and where these systems are actually helping Ireland to make resilient to the great danger that climate change is bringing, like floods and fu- food insecurity. So, for example, that would be uh, that that kind of vision could include paying farmers for habitat restoration, for flood prevention, for carbon storage, and also to support fruit and vegetable and grain growers who are struggling and produce food with a far okay. lower carbon footprint. All right, Hannah Daly, Professor of Sustainable Energy at UCC. Many thanks. Um, Charlie McConnell, back in 2022, you said meeting the uh, climate emissions targets were going to be challenging, uh, but possible. Did you factor in exports to South Korea, possible exports to South Korea when you made that statement? Yes, uh, and to exports around the world. Um, Colin, we're going to see over the next, um, between now and 2050, the world population grow uh, by 25% um, to 10 billion people. Um, So that's a significantly increased demand for food. And we, as we stand now, are one of the most sustainably uh, sustainable producers of of food um, and animal proteins anywhere in the world. But will this mean expanding the beef herd? No, it it doesn't. No, it means we have another market available and a high value market available to actually ensure that the farm families we have in this country who do massive work and really important work in terms of producing beef or dairy or lamb um, uh, or animal or plant proteins, that they get a good income for the work that they actually carry out. So will we be diverting beef we currently export elsewhere to South Korea if it doesn't mean growing the, the beef the, the, the more markets we open and the better value those markets then beef will go to the higher value markets and rightly so because we want farmers to earn the best income they possibly can um, and listen around I mean basically the, the, the nub of what Hannah is saying there and we often hear commentators uh, saying uh, uh, similar making similar um, points the nub of that is basically that people shouldn't be eating beef anywhere or eating dairy they are important parts of a nutritious, nutritious diet what's important obviously in right. relation to diets is that they're balanced but also what's important as well is in relation to the commentary around this that it's balanced and um, okay, Hannah makes the point there about business as usual but there's a radical transformation underway in farms across this country and in our, and in our food sector in relation to reducing emissions in relation to further improving okay. sustainability they will see us Rose contribute Collins, as a sector I, I, to, 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 to 50% reduction wanna, by 2030 and agriculture delivering us 25% I just want to go to Smith on, on this for us what do you make of the push for new markets for, for Irish beef exports do, do you believe it when you hear Charlie 
Charlie McConnell say that it won't mean a growth uh, in the Irish beef herd. No, I don't. And when I heard that there was a, a green army gone out to South Korea to promote the export of beef and to do a deal on a data centre, I thought it was a joke, to be honest with you, because it's utter lunacy to be increasing the beef market in this way and indeed the proliferation of data centres when the science is screaming at us that we have to cut our emissions and we have to act rapidly to change the way we live. I just can't believe that this is uh, the policy of the Irish government and notably there was no Green Minister with you. But they are acting as a mudguard for this government by keeping it together. However, your policies are leading to what we're seeing happening in the likes of County Loud, in in Cork, in Wexford, where flooding is now going to become the norm in uh, in this country, where extremes in weather are the norm right across the planet. And unless we take radical measures to reduce our emissions, then we're failing. Can I, and can you're actually promoting increasing no, our emissions across I'll, the planet. I'll come back to you in a moment. Just in a word, when Charlie McConlogue says that the nub of the argument means people should eat less beef and eat less dairy, do you agree? That I is, do, yeah. yeah. Okay. Including eat, myself, I eat, think we eat, should eat less meat generally. The, the, the way we column. produce meat on this planet is obscene. Right. And the way it's exported is obscene. And the science okay. is telling us we need to eat Rose less. Conway I do agree with it. How do you but stri- we need to look after yeah. farmers how, and give them alternatives. How do you strike the balance between, on the one hand, abiding by our climate commitments mm. and on the other hand, mm. Uh, export opportunities like this. Where do you fall on that? And I really think that we can and I think that agriculture can be a really good story in all this. Now what agriculture is doing at the moment in terms of measuring the carbon footprint and the farming practices are getting more and more efficient all the time. We're producing uh, vaccines to reduce uh, methane as well. So there are many good things that that can can happen in that sense. It's not about decarbonising agriculture. It's about an opportunity uh, for agriculture to help decarbonise Ireland and that certainly can be done. The adoption of ag tech, of data and information, of resource efficiency and measurement is happening and it can increase like that. Farmers at the moment feel that they're being beaten senseless from from all all areas. Now, if Ireland reduced their stock, I think it's misguided to think that that in itself um, will protect the planet because what you create is a situation of carbon uh, leak uh, for of, of the offshoring of carbon. And if you stop producing others will, we have to see the deal that's been made in Britain, for instance, in terms of with Brazil and the influx of cheap Brazilian beef there, the impact that that will have uh, on the Irish market and the impact it'll right, have on but, climate. Well, surely, but, it, but if, if a beef market is grown in South Korea, doesn't that provide more opportunities for Brazilian farmers to export to South Korea? Well, it's about opening up markets and, and I do agree with Charlie since it's the high value markets that need to be targeted. Whether, um, you know, to South Korea is the answer, I don't know, but there's other markets that can and so, need to so be So you agree up. that the beef herd shouldn't be grown, do you? Well, not grown, but I think at the moment okay. what can be done at the moment is farmers can be listened to. Farmers are part of the solution and until we right. start to see agriculture and small family farms as part of the solution, then I think we're going on the wrong path. Right. How, how much investment is going into uh, some of the innovative scientific uh, mitigations of, of methane at the moment, Charlie McConlog, and is that consistent with uh, a high quality beef offering where people may not want to see those kind of interventions if they want to eat a premium beef product? Well, I, I mean, 
our starting point here when you compare us to any food producing nation around the world is that the sustainability of what we produce is world leading. And uh, it really grates with me when I hear, you know, commentators like like Hannah talk about business as usual, because what we're doing in this country in relation to Irish agriculture is no way business as usual. There's massive transformation going on at farm level and across the food sector. And I'm backing that as minister. Uh, we have we have we were the first sector of the Irish economy actually to have a clear roadmap and plan in place developed by Chogusk in relation to the, the MAC curve. Uh, we're investing significantly with Chogusk in relation to initiatives such as you described there in relation to, for example, right, well, what's the progress on that roadmap? roadmap in terms very, of emissions reduction. Significant. So, for example, this year um, our emissions from Irish agriculture was down by over 1.5% without any impact in relation to food production. We're below our 2018 baseline, baseline what, level. What's the ultimate target? The, ulti- half the, 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 the ultimate target is by 2030 to reduce it by 25% and that's something that we... And we're 1.5% along that's the road there. That's something that we can achieve. We're building momentum and building progress all the time. And what We've we got need seven to, years left and we're doing yeah, it at the rate of and, 1.5% and we're, a year. We're building that momentum and building that Progress and a lot of these initiatives we're taking, column will significantly right. deliver as 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 they as as they continue and as we Reed go Smith, on. You're, but you're, but just c- one c- final point, column. It's not about reducing the amount of food we produce. It's about reducing the emissions from it, and that's something that, they w- that we will be doing, and that farm families are doing massive work in relation to at the moment as well. Six six years, well, six years and one month. Six Smith, years and one month to get to reduce by twenty five. Not optimism. at all. I think it's it's just all greenwashing and, and, and nonsense talk because Far they're not. Breed. They're not taking the action that's required. I'm not for people starving. I'm not for farmers being impoverished. I think we need to change our model of food production and we need to support farmers in doing that. Instead of increasing the herd, and it will increase the herd if you get this deal with uh, Korea. Do you want to do away with Um, beef and dairy production? No, I'm not saying that at all. I didn't say that. I'm saying we change the the way we produce food and we we produce more uh, plant food and we grow more plants. And that's what we need to do and we're going to maybe okay. talk about tillage later yeah. on but there is a problem for Irish farmers many of them are impoverished many of them don't enjoy the huge profits that a, a proportion of them do and, and they it, all need supports to make that transition okay. to grow being, more plant it's food. being able to sell into markets like South Korea that will actually no, ensure that they're getting a proper income for the, you're for, flying for the in the face of science out. by we're doing that the science is screaming we, we, at us we are, we are actually moving on to the issue of, of tillage because we've seen compensation to businesses mm-hmm. as a result of the flooding but it's also been an extremely wet year and it's affected tillage farming uh, particularly badly as well. What's your understanding of the scale of loss that's been incurred by tillage farmers? it's, it's been a, a bad year for all tillage farmers this year, um, Colm. Um, last year was one of the strongest years we've had in a long time. This year, though, uh, the, the, the weather and has really mitigated against. It was dry at times uh, an earlier part of the year and then wet for the remainder of the year. There is some unharvested grain still in the ground. Um, I, as Minister, have moved to support the sector. Um, I've done three packages at this stage. Um, I, I provided €7 million Euro, um, through a, a strong corporation scheme to deliver um, additional funding to deliver into the sector. Also, I secured uh, over €7 million Euro from the European Union as well to contribute towards it in the recent budget. I've delivered another €7 million Euro and I'm engaging with right. the farm representatives as well as to how uh, we best target that uh, just, at those who are under most uh, pressure. And on that, Gavin Carberry, the ICSA tillage chair, said that the announcement of a payment of €11 Euros per acre wasn't a serious response. They're looking for something more of the order of 250 to a, to a maximum of €10,000. 
the 7 million euro I secured from the European Union I've distributed to, to all Tilly's farmers who've grown crops which were affected by, by poor profitability this year. What I've, what I've also done in terms of the budget is secured another 7 million which I'll be targeting right. at those uh, who most need it, but particularly those that, who that, haven't harvested crops. There's a crops. difference between the compensation that's available to people who make their business this way and people in the retail sector. Uh, no, I, I, I think I'm delivering. Listen, whenever you have a challenging year from a profit point of view, you can't cover all of the all of the losses. But what you need to do is actually support those okay. and support, th- support those that need it most. And working with the Tillage representatives, uh, the funding from the budget right. will be targeted okay. at those who most need it. Rose Conway-Walsh, what do you make of, of, of the call for enhanced compensation from farmers in the tillage sector? We've been calling for this for a long time. And our, our um, agriculture spokesperson, Claire Curran, indeed was asked for the, for the minister to engage with the, in a serious way with the Irish uh, grain growers uh, group as well. But there's 150 million of unspent funds in the Brexit uh, Adjustment Reserve Fund and that should be done. Now the government have set a target uh, to increase the area under tillage of uh, 400,000 acres by 2030. This isn't going to happen if we start to lose uh, tillage farmers as we are now. They have to be supported. Also the money that was announced in... What's the figure you'd put on it? What what compensation would you offer farmers? If not 11 euro, would you go as far as 200? 150 that, well, the, that the ICSA tillage sector is calling well, for? Well, they know themselves in, in in what's needed to keep them in existence and that's why really, there a needs... Lo- a a, a lobby group no, will write government no, checks no, if you were in that's power, why, they? This is why there needs to be serious in, in engagement uh, with the tillage growers themselves. Well, is they, that serious engagement out, or is that just capitulation no, to no, a figure that you're being given? Look at what, what use is it going to serve us if we have tillage farmers going out of action or they cannot um, help to meet the targets in the way that they're not... I think the minister needs to to sit down there, but also the money that was announced in the budget needs to be front loaded. There's talk, and I'm not sure Charlie can maybe clarify that is when that money is actually going to get to the tillage farmers because they desperately need it uh, right now. So, do you uh, want to answer before we go to Breed Smith? Yeah. Well, well first of all, um, listen the. I, I don't believe that the Sinn Féin response to this is coherent. Um, the Brexit Adjustment Reserve Fund has been very important. I've drawn down more funding than any government department uh, in relation to it to support the farming and particularly the fishing sector. But listen, um, you know, adverse weather, um, which is a result of weather, it does not qualify as a Brexit impact and therefore it simply isn't eligible for that. But what I have done is delivered other funding um, through various sources and I am working with the sector to actually ensure that we target okay. it to those Breed, who most need it. Breed Smith, the... the um the, the compensation that's been called for by one area of the farming lobby is €250 Euro per hectare. Do you agree with that as a figure? Do you think the compensation should be that high uh, or would you do it on, on a more case-by-case well, the, basis? The, the major point I'd like to make is that what we saw this year in terms of the weather is not an aberration and it's not a once-off event. You might be making once-off payments to compensate farmers, but this is going to be the future because of climate change. And we really have to seriously look at how we reduce our emissions and change the way we produce food. And unless we do that, you're going to be looking at once-off payments here, there, yon, whatever they are, and this is going to be a permanent feature of how we run, uh, do our business, agribusiness and all the rest of it, unless you decide we have to look seriously at food production, at farming as an overall uh, impact and how climate change is going to impact on that because so, so just it be is clear, here to stay. Are it you talking about not off. putting a scheme in place for compensation? No, I'm not. No, I think you need the scheme. I just think there isn't enough being done to look at the long-term implications. My main point is this is not an aberration. It's not a once-off. This is here to stay. 
All right. Uh, it should be it should be just pointed out that um, Hannah Daly wants to clarify. She did not say all consumption of beef and dairy should stop. She says it needs to be lowered. And that's the scientific consensus. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll, in that case, we'll, we're, the, we're the most sustainable okay. producer of it in the world column, except it sure. sense for us to, to do it and to ensure farmers get well paid for it. OK, we're going to move on. We're going to have a look at the proposals for a COVID inquiry after this.